always great to be here and uh, to hang out with you guys and just thank you for your prayers, the drought in Southern California <laughs> is pretty much over for the north and uh, they have like record snowpack. They, I love the way they always say they have this thing. I don't know if you guys hear it back here that, because weathermen make up things and El Nino. Have you ever heard of El Nino? Yeah, that's where the weather, the Pacific Ocean, I guess, warms up. And so they thought they had it down. Well, we have the waters are warm, so we're going to have El Nino. And last year there, you know what? Yeah, it's coming and it didn't come. And then it's coming and it didn't come. So here's what's happened. This year they're not saying El Nino or anything. They've actually changed their term and they call it atmospheric. We have an atmospheric river over California right now. <laughs> atmospheric rivers that's the way most rivers are in california by the way they're atmospheric because you can't see them here they have water in them there they don't except for right now they do have water in them so uh thank you for your prayers we are doing good central valley ought to be uh better off so your produce is going to uh, be beneficial you know it'll benefit your produce and your fruit for the uh and your pecans and your almonds your almond you got almond trees like crazy up there so the prices ought to I doubt they'll drop, <laughs> but they ought to keep from going up. So, well, let's get out our Bibles and turn to Acts or Matthew, rather, chapter twenty. I'm in Acts on Sunday morning, so I uh, have been kind of in the habit of that. But we're in Matthew twenty, and we'll be looking at verses twenty through twenty-eight today in a message I've called "True Greatness." Matthew twenty, verse twenty through twenty-eight. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, we are thankful to be here. God, I am blessed to be invited and allowed to be used by you, Lord, to speak to these precious saints. And I pray now, Lord, that as we open your word together in this time, that you would open our hearts, Lord, that you would open our minds, Lord, that we would understand more fully and with greater clarity and, and a growing passion, Lord, that we might uh, know you and, Lord, that we might please you uh, by living our lives for you, that we might, Lord, begin to uh, have a, even a greater understanding of uh, your plan and your purpose, Lord, as we grow in you for our uh, place on this planet, Lord, and that you would uh, glorify yourself in and through us. So, Lord... Bless this time of study in your word. May our faith be strengthened. May we be challenged and changed. May it accomplish the uh, transformation that you designed and desire it for uh, to accomplish, Lord. And I pray if there's any here that have not yet given their lives to you, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself today. So bless this time of study in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you know or not, but uh, every one of you this morning is born for greatness. That's the way God made you. It's the way God fashioned you in your mother's womb. Before you ever arrived on planet Earth, you were made for greatness. Now, before you write me off as some health and wealth prosperity preacher or motivational speaker, hear me out, because I believe by the time I'm done, you will realize 
that this is far from some kind of a positive mental attitude, happy, clappy, make you feel good preaching message. That's not what this is. This is no your best life now message. What I want to do and desire to do in our time together this morning is to look at what the Bible says about true greatness. And that's why I had you turn here to Matthew chapter 20. Because Jesus, he is getting ready to go to the cross. And it's crazy to me. It's sad and humorous at the same time. The disciples, uh, he's just finished telling them as we approach our text today that, hey, guess what? I am going to the cross. I am going to Jerusalem. I am going there to die and I'll rise again on the third day. He's just finished reiterating, uh, reiterating that to them. And they are, well, they are clueless about what's going on, really. I mean, they don't get it. And so they're busy while he's talking about the cross and the sacrifice for sins and all. They're busy plotting and planning. Two in particular of those disciples are so busy plotting and planning, wanting to have a great impact and, and to be great men. That they, these are men, full grown men, send mom. They call mom. And they say, Mom, we want you to go to Jesus and we want you to ask, well, to make sure that we get some places of position and power for the future. Grown men going to Mom. How sad is that? Men, don't you do that. Don't you be having your mom call in, uh, you know, and telling the boss you're sick. Don't you have your wife even be calling in. Call, call yourself if you're capable. I mean, obviously, if you're, you can't do it. But, but to send mom. And here's the crazy thing. As you catch the text here, uh, the flow of it, they are there. And mom has gone. I mean, they actually could talk to him. They're in his presence. But they send mom to ask. And the other disciples are privy to what's going on. Let's read the text. Check it out with me. Uh, then the mother of Zebedee's uh, sons, verse 20, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. How sad is that? And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus has answered and said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am about to be baptized with? And they said to him, these are the disciples now, behind mom, mom goes first. And then they said to him, yes, you and uh, uh, yes, we are rather. And so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. 
But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Jesus is telling them, hey guys, greatness is not what you think when it comes to God. Real greatness, you don't understand, you don't know. You think it's in, you know, your positions. You think it's in power. You see, true greatness, well, he says, is to be a servant. Jesus lays out very clearly for us this morning, who are Christians, what it is that makes you a great man or a great woman. And it is so different than the world. So different than what we, by our sin nature, desire. We think, many think that greatness is found in a position. And that's what these young men are asked for. Hey, uh, right hand, left hand, I want that position, man. I want to be right there in that place of authority, Lord, when you set up your kingdom. I want to be someone. Isn't that the way our nature is? I want to be someone. And so give me a position. Listen, can I set you free from something, precious saints, today? Your, your job, your, your occupation, your, your position is not your identification. It's not who you are. It should not be who you are. It should not be your identity. If your identity is all wrapped up in your job, if it's all wrapped up in your ministry, you see, if it's all wrapped up in those kids, listen, here's the deal. One day uh, you're going to retire. One day those kids are all going to leave. You see, and things change. You have the empty nest syndrome. You have the, the, these kind of things that go on where people get all freaked out because they've been so wrapped up, their identity so ingrained in their position, their place, you see, their job and their employment. Listen, you are more than your position. Your occupation. And that's what Jesus is telling them. Not on the right hand or the, the right hand or the left. Guys, it's not there. Now listen, he doesn't. I want you to note something here. He does not rebuke them for wanting to be great. He does not do that. But he's telling them by definition their greatness is flawed. Their, their definition rather of greatness is flawed. It's not found in position. It's not found in something else that they were seeking, which is in power. 
there in verse 25. He says, hey, the men of the world, uh, their ways, uh, they like to have authority. They like to, to go tell people what to do, to lord it over people, you see. They want to wield power. And listen, that's why there's abuse today in by people in positions of authority. There's corruption. How can you abuse your authority? How do you know personally as a Christian that you're abusing your authority? These are some tests. Number one, if you keep reminding people of your title, who you are. I, I've known people in the past where I say, hey, you know, and, and it's another pastor friend of mine, and I'll just call him by his name. I'm pastor so-and-so. And then I'll have uh, people introduce. And I understand, listen, I understand that, you know, that people are nice. But to demand uh, when, when some parent will introduce their you know, a teenager to me or something in front of the church. They'll say, this is Pastor Dennis. And I say, you can just call me Dennis. You know why? I know who I am. And I'm not all that. I thought I'd be all that by now. But I'm not all that. I thought by now, being a Christian since 1973, a pastoring for over 32 years, I thought by now, I'd have it down. That I wouldn't be sinning anymore, or every, maybe, great, once in a while. That I'd be done with the struggle and the battle. I'm here to tell you, young people, the battle, you better be ready. It's a long haul. And, and uh, Matt, I suggest, it doesn't get easier necessarily. Ask David. He didn't fall when he was young. He fell when he was old. Fifty. Men. Women. Got to keep fighting. You see. If I. Insist on you calling me by a certain. Title. I'm the president. Of the corporation of Calvary Chapel of the high desert. I am the. Senior pastor. Well, I'm definitely senior now. I didn't used to be thought of in that way. But people have that, this is the reverend so-and-so. If uh, People that know me wouldn't call me reverend. There's only one person that deserves reverence, and that's Jesus Christ. That's God. All the rest of us, you know what? I'm just like you. I, I don't, I'm no high and lofty one who has some kind of a, you know, desire to, to be someone. I mean, I have that desire. We all fight that desire. But, but we need to remember those who insist on being called by a certain title. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to call them that. What I'm saying is when they make that a big deal, they demand to be called that way. Another way you can abuse authority is not only to keep reminding people of your a title, but you can demand privilege. Hey, that's my parking place. 
hey, I, I deserve to have my coffee at a certain temperature and I won't come to your church unless I have a certain amenities. I got to have things a certain way, you see. Don't you know who I am? I'm Pastor Dennis. I'm Pastor Tom. When I walk by, you better show some respect. You see, demanding that privilege, demanding that people step aside. Another way is is when I begin to enjoy and become comfortable with the praises of people. Oh, Pastor, that was a great sermon. I thank you very much. I thought so myself. You've met people like that, that have that kind of attitude. You tell them, you know, you, you give them some kind of praise or let them know of something and, and that, that, that they did well or whatever, and, and they go, yes, I, I'm great at that. I think we might have a president that has a bit of that problem. What do you think? You need to pray for him. It's, it's the flesh, man. It's what we are apart from God. And we love the praises of people. Listen, don't ever forget, precious saints, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, uh, where he says in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in clay pots. Hey, guess what? You know what you are? A clay pot. It's not about you. It's about Him. You see, we have this treasure. The treasure is placed in us. It's the presence and the power of God by His Spirit working in and through us. Paul says in another place, what do you have that you didn't receive as a gift by the grace of God? You see, it's all God's grace. Another way we could tell if we're abusing authority, is if every time we are questioned, we resent being questioned. Who are you to question me? And you may not say that, but your attitude may say that. One of your kids asks you a question, Dad, why do we do this? Hey, do you know who I am? I'm your father. You don't question me. Um, pastors can get that way. Bosses can get that way. And they just abuse the authority where they they live so high and uppity how dare you question me another way that you can tell when you're abusing authority is when you're not touched in your heart with the compassion and care for other people Jesus saw the people the crowd as a shepherd or as a sheep as sheep rather without a shepherd and he was moved with compassion on them he cared about people he reached out to people you see what's true greatness Jesus again doesn't rebuke them for the desire to be great and to do great things but he challenges them on what this greatness looks like Let me ask you a question. When it comes to true greatness, well, it's one word, service. That's what this, uh, the text teaches us. 
And when it comes to that in your home, in your office, in your classroom, in this church, if true greatness is defined by service, who are the greatest people in here and are you one of them? You see, we look at the world around us and we look at the church and often we see needs. And when we see needs, what can we do about it? How can we, how can we deal with it? Now some people, some people, they cry about it. Others complain about it. And others criticize. They say things like, well, if those people weren't so immoral, they wouldn't have AIDS and, and have STDs. Some get cynical. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, and, and people are making such bad choices. And, uh, hey, what can I do about it, Pastor? And we almost get the attitude of why bother because we see the amount of needs and the opportunities to serve and, and what needs to be done and we can be overwhelmed. But here's the question. What can we do? What can not we corporately, you see, necessarily, but what can we do with those that we know? How can we help them? What can we do for them to bring some relief? And help and hope to them. We can serve them. That's what it's all about. Whoever wants to become great. There in verse 26. Must become a servant. You see. Success and greatness in the kingdom of God. Are far different. Than what it is among men. And the example when we say, Lord, I want to be like you. I mean, I think you'd have to agree with me as you read your Bible and look at the life of Jesus. There was no one who was more fulfilled, more confident, more gracious and caring and powerful and wonderful than Jesus. And it was Jesus that said, for the Son of Man came here, there in verse 28, not to be served, but to serve. You see, the secret to greatness in the kingdom of God is not how many servants you have, but what kind of servant you are. And the statement that Jesus made is one of the most incredible statements here in his entire ministry. Here's the one that the disciples called Lord and Master, the one person, the Creator, who should serve no one. Guess what he's doing? What an attitude he had. What grace he demonstrated. Let me ask you a question. And you need to answer this honestly. Are you more interested in being served in church or are you more interested in being a servant in the church? In being served or being a servant? the story of a first grade teacher who asked her class the question, what, what do you do to help at home? 
One of the answers came back. One little girl said, I dry dishes. One little boy said, well, I feed the dog. Another child says, well, I sweep the floor. Everybody gave an answer. But one little boy sitting in the back, he didn't say anything. The teacher looked at him, eventually noticing that he wasn't saying anything. He said, Johnny, what do you do at home? He said, I just stay out of the way. Some of the some some people in church are like that. They just stay out of the way. Listen. I want to share something with you this morning, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, and I want you to, to take it in the love that is it intended to, to be shared and, and the challenge. But it's something that, that we need to consider, and, and, and I hope, I mean, I don't want to offend you, and yet, on one level, on the other, I, I go, well, if it, if it is, so be it. But, but here, here's the statement. If you have no interest in serving and no heart finding something you can do for God either inside this church on Sunday or outside this church during the week, you really don't need to be here. I'll let that sink in. Okay, I'm saying this, not Tom, so don't get offended. You know, I'm I'm the guest pastor. Again, if you're unwilling to serve God and others as part of His church, you really don't need to be here. And if that offends you, then I'm offended that you were offended. Let me tell you why. It's not right to ask people to have the same servant spirit. I mean, is it not right, rather, to ask people to have the same servant spirit as did Jesus Christ in serving others? God has set up our lives and designed us to serve others. When you became a parent, many of you, some of you haven't experienced that yet, but you will. Lord willing, and, and, and when that baby first comes out of the womb and it begins to cry immediately, guess what you've just entered into that you can't back down from, especially moms, guess what you become? A servant. And people expect mom and dad to care for that child to serve that child to meet the needs of that child if you don't it's called neglect the child can be taken away they expect you even the world expects you to serve the reason people go to college and get degrees is to become an expert in some field of what serving others get a degree in nursing guess what you're going to do Get a degree in accounting, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be serving. Even politicians like to call what they do, I'm not saying they always do, but they like to call what they do what? Public service. It's what we're recreated to do. There is one other reason we should serve others, and that's because serving 
others presently. Serving is preparing you for eternity. Heaven is described in Revelation 22, verse 3. It is described, it says here, His servants will serve Him. Think about that. As we love God by worshiping Him. Great worship this morning. You guys are blessed with a great worship team of of faithful men and women who have been here for many years who are incredibly gifted. I'm always blessed to hear them. The sound men. There are so many servants in this church that are it's behind the scenes that you don't see, that you don't know, who are just faithful to do this. Serve here. Using their gifts. We do that as an act of worship. And it shouldn't be something that's that should be foreign to us. That should be a problem to us. Why? Because God expects it. Second Timothy chapter 1, New King James Version, verse 8 says, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, it is God who saved us and chose us for what? His holy work or His holy calling. That speaks of ministry. It speaks of service. Uh, that word of ministry, you'll find it frequently in the Bible. It's service or another way it could be translated and, and it, it should be translated more accurately is slave. When you're a minister, that means you're a slave. A servant. Everything created by God was created for a purpose. You know that? The birds were created to sing and, and, and look pretty that way. The bees were created to give honey. Cows uh, give a milk. You see, fish were created to swim and, and feast on. The dogs were created to win championships and to be man's best friend who, who never chant any discouraging words back. You... And I were created for ministry. He's designed us to make a difference. Every last believer in Jesus Christ is called to serve. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that every Christian is called to be a pastor. Not every Christian is called to work in full-time ministry as far as in the church, you see. But if we really recognize if you're a baker, if you're a, a teacher, you see, if you're a, a mother, a father, a, a, you know, you go to work on cars, you see, that is full-time ministry in that you are to serve God even at your place of employment, you see. The Bible says, do all things how? Heartily as unto who? Unto the Lord. You are a witness in your attitude, in your activity as you engage in serving your employer faithfully to be the best employee he or she ever had. And we belong to Him. You see, we're God's children, His disciples, that we might be useful to ministry. We were not saved to sit back. 
to soak it in. Otherwise, God would have taken us to heaven as soon as we got saved. As soon as you were born again, he'd go, you're out of here. We were saved again to serve. God is the one that not only does he expect us to serve, but he empowers us to serve others. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, God has given us each the ability to do certain things well in the New Living Translation. Like I said, every Christian is gifted. Now, we don't all have the same gifts, thank God. But we are all, we are all equally gifted in the sense that God has given us the abilities and the gifts that He wants us to engage in, to minister to the body, to show people God's glory. As we look at the Scriptures... And we look around, God never wastes anything. You remember when the disciples fed the multitude with the five loaves and two fish, they went out after and they did what? They collected the leftovers. Why? No waste. Every spiritual gift and natural ability that you have, God gave it to be used in ministry in some capacity. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift for his, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well and serve one another. Spiritual gifts not given for your enjoyment, but rather for your employment in the service of God. At this church, you see, where are you serving? What is your gifting? How is God working through and using you? I find that many times, if you are restless in a church, and if you are feeling useless, and you're frustrated and irritated, and begin to lose interest in the church, the reason very often is you have never really discovered your spiritual gift and, and don't know what it is, or you have discovered it and you're not using it or using it in the wrong place and in the wrong way. What is your spiritual gift of service? What ability? What, what talent has God given you that He's called you to use for His glory? You need to make sure that whatever you do in church, two things are true. Number one, you have the ability and giftedness for it. And number two, you've got the passion for it. Now, how do you find out your giftedness? You know what I've found over the years? Yeah, you can read some books on it. There are many great Christian books that maybe will help you find your spiritual gift and, and see where perhaps your abilities and callings are. But, but let me tell you something. Uh, I think that stepping in many times is the best way to find out. You hear an announcement, you know, well, we need help in the Sunday school, or we need help in this ministry, or there's an opportunity over here to go on this missions trip and, and be used, or, or an opportunity to go downtown and minister in that capacity. Listen, uh, you 
step up, you pray about it, you step up, and maybe something that you would think, well, I, I'd never like it. We have children's people in children's ministry that have been there for years that when they uh, started out, they go, I don't know if I could do this, but there's a need. So, Lord, I'm just praying about this, and I'm, I'm just going to step in and, and just see. I'm going to knock on that door. And you know what? Something that they thought they wouldn't like, they love, and they're still there. They've been there for years and years and they don't ever want to leave because they have found such joy in ministering and serving. You see, because it's all about Jesus and, and sharing Jesus and to see uh, people's lives impacted and transformed as a result of your gift of faithful service, there is no greater fulfillment than to know that you're making an impact that's not temporary but that's eternal you see i believe this ability plus passion plus service equals fulfillment joy peace you see and know this if god calls you and where he calls you and he will call you somewhere to move into some area to serve He's going to equip you to do what He's called you to do. And listen, if you understand what the job of your pastor is, you see, a lot of times people think, well, the pastor is the one that's to do the work of the ministry. It's Tom's job to make sure this gets done. It's Tom's job to make sure. That's what we pay him the big bucks for. A lot of people think that. It's a, it's a pastoral staff. It's a, it's a professional uh, church clergy that is responsible to get the work done. And sadly, because of the lack of people stepping up many times, the pastor is running around and he's not able to do his job. And as a result, problems grow and people don't grow. Because here's the deal. Ephesians tells us when it comes to service and what the pastor is called to do in chapter 4 in verse 11 it's speaking of Jesus and it says and he himself gave some to be apostles and he gave some to be prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers so he's given different gifts to different people and the pastors and the teachers are for the equipping of the saints for the work of of ministry or service for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's that saying? That your job, you see, is to go out there and do the work, to do your part. The pastor's job is to equip you, to teach you, to set an example for you. You see, that you might go out there and do the work of the ministry. Now, I'm not saying that Tom and I don't have to serve. We have our place of service. We are to serve you by empowering and equipping you to serve others. You see, why is that the greatest thing that we can do is serve? Well, because it's not the duration of your life, how long you live that matters, but it's the donation of your life, 
how your life impacts others that really counts. And if you don't already have the attitude of a servant, you need to ask God as a result of what Jesus is teaching here. God, make me more like you. Yes, it is against our nature to want to serve others. In fact, tragically, many people that come to church, they come and go, well, what can this church do to meet my needs? How's this church going to meet my needs? Now, if they're a non-believer, that's one thing. But if you're a believer, you know what that shows me? You're not very mature. You see, the mature Christian asks, how can I be used in this church to meet the needs of others? Because that's what a servant does. The immature Christian says, who is going to meet my needs? Or the mature Christian says, whose needs can I meet? For those that ask, who is going to meet your needs? I can tell you who will meet your needs. God will meet your needs when? When you begin to concern yourself with meeting the needs of others. You're going to find your needs met. God will meet you. He will never be your debtor. You know what God is looking for in a church? He's looking for servants. I close with this. Leonard Bernstein was once asked, he was the uh, late conductor of the New York Symphony Orchestra. He says, was asked, what's the most difficult position in the orchestra to play? Without hesitation, Mr. Bernstein responded, second fiddle. They said, why is that? Is playing second fiddle, uh, you know, harder than playing the piccolo or the piano or the bassoon or trumpet? He said, no, it's not tougher. It's just that everybody wants to be first chair. They want to be seen. They want the, the position. Much of what we do in life doesn't matter much from an eternal perspective if we're not serving. It's not going to last. It won't matter tomorrow or next week. You see, if it doesn't involve serving. Paul writes it like this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know you know here's something you know while you're working for the Lord serving the Lord you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless Another translation reads, throw yourself into the service of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. When it comes to your life and your impact, the only impact that's going to last is that which is done for the sake of eternity. For the eternal benefit and blessing of people. When it comes to God's commands, the ten can all be reduced to two, right? 
Love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That which goes to heaven will be that which you've done out of love for Jesus and love for others. Those others that you've loved and served, the rewards and the people themselves will go to heaven with you as they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as your service has an impact on them. Listen, in our culture, we waste a lot of time, time in traffic, time on the television, time on the Internet, time in petty arguments, time in lousy movies. I I go spend money to see a movie sometimes, and it gets to the end, and I go, what a waste. Have you ever gone through an entire day and gone home and gone to bed and put your head on the pillow and said, what did I really accomplish today? You see, I want to challenge you as we close. Some of you in this room are serving in church faithfully and regularly. And you know what? Those of you that are hearing what I'm saying and encouraging you to serve, that are already serving regularly, I know you. You're going, okay, what more can I do right now? And you're already doing 50 things. Because that's the way you are. I'm not, I'm not saying anything to you to take on anything extra. I want you just to be faithful and continue to serve and encourage others to serve. How can you do that? By your attitude in serving. Be careful that you don't whine and complain. Oh, well, I got to go. Got to go to church, got to turn on the lights, got to get the heater ready, got to get the, got to go serve in the children's ministry. I don't know how many kids will be there today, and I, I'm going to be ushering, I'm going to hand out Bibles. I, you know, you, you walk around like that and you go, how come nobody else in the church serves? I mean, these people, nobody serves. Well, that's probably why. Because you look miserable in your service. They're watching. Your attitude, not only your actions and your serving. Are you an example? Encouraging others to serve? Sharing the joy of the Lord? Some of you have served in this room, some of you in this room have served at one time, but you're not serving presently. Okay? Maybe you took a little time off, that's okay. But it's time to get back at it, to get busy in it. Don't stay on the sideline because you'll become restless because you're feeling useless and God created you for service to be useful. So you need to get stepping up, stepping back in there and quit making excuses and make a decision to step back in and say, okay, Lord. Finally, some of you in this room may never have served. Maybe you're waiting for the right opportunity. Maybe you're wondering, how do I take the next step? Just listen and pray and look for an opportunity. Hey, if you start out regularly, daily, Lord, show me who I can serve, how I can serve. I just want to serve you, Lord. And I want to serve and see that you are or a God who came not to, to jockey for position and, and power and authority. You came to serve and to give your life a ransom for many. I want to give the gifts and the life away 
that you've given me to impact people for all eternity. That's what it's all about, precious saints. Step in. Step up. Greatest thing you can do and the fulfillment, the joy, God again will never be your debtor and He will give you the power not by my, not by, by your own power, but by His Spirit. But you need to put yourself in a place where you are dependent on that power and that involves commitment and sacrifice. But you make that step. Man, God will use you powerfully and you will find fulfillment and joy that you can find no place else, you see. Because you were created to serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit to minister your word to our hearts. Lord, I pray that now as we have heard, Lord, the dilemma here is, as we know, so we understand and comprehend these things intellectually. We may even say, I need to do something about this. I need to step up. I need to make some adjustments in my life, my leisure. And we know we need to do it. We know we should do it. Lord, help us to be those who are mindful that it's not what we know, but it's what we show. It's not what we believe, but how we behave that really impacts the world around us, that changes lives and brings glory to Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help us to that end. Help me. Help all of us, Lord. Your word says if we know these things, happy, fortunate, to be envied are we if we do those things. So Lord, help what we know to show. Help what we hear, Lord, to be that which causes us to go to a world, to our brothers and sisters in the Lord, to a church, Lord, that needs to continue to reflect to show, to shine forth Jesus Christ. And Lord, to that end, fill us with your spirit, Lord, with your power as we enjoy your presence. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So stand.